are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm quite lucky. I've got two guests joining me today. We've got Vivek Dar from our Mining and Commodities team and Joseph Caperso, our Head of International Economics. Hi to both of you. Hello. It's great to be back. Now, you both have done a joint note on the implications of President Biden's infrastructure plan. Now, recently, in separate notes, we've been talking about is the US economy going to overheat this year? And also, is there another commodity super cycle? And a lot of the thinking around both those points was this infrastructure plan. So it's probably worthwhile to actually go through it and talk about its implications. So Vivek, starting with you... What is in President Biden's infrastructure plan? Sure. So, look, what we have in the American jobs plan is about $2.28 trillion, which is uh, targeted to be spent over eight years. Now, there are a number of different and new sectors that are being targeted, um, and not all of that is commodity intensive. Mm. And so we really try to break it down and, and get to the nitty-gritty of what really impacts what and new sectors. So you can see that the traditional commodities uh, certainly benefit from the transportation infrastructure. Yeah. So you're talking of bridges, your rails, you know, you certainly see that component come through. But there's also uh, an impact on the new um, energy commodities. And this is where, su- where copper and nickel can potentially yes. benefit too. So, you know, there was a mix and breaking it down, uh, you can see that about you know, 1.3 trillion of that 2.28 uh, is really commodity intensive. The rest, we've seen a, a lot of this bill uh, directed towards even, say, R&D, mm. um, healthcare. So it really touches a lot of sectors. It's really being branded as a jobs plan. Yes. Um, so the indus- the, the commodity-specific part, uh, in our view, was actually a little less than we expected. Okay, and we'll get to the implications of that in a minute, but I guess it's probably important to touch on, because this is just a plan at the moment, you know, we actually need it to be passed by Congress before it does start to have implications for the economy. So, Joe, over to you now. What's the likelihood of Congress passing the plan? Well, polls of voters show very high um, interest or support for some sort of increase in infrastructure spending. Uh, so, for example, an Ipsos poll shows, shows three in four Americans support an increase in mm. transport infrastructure. So that, that's very high. So, look, we're confident that something will pass Congress and turn into reality. Uh, however, the, the same surveys also show that there is not majority support for President Biden's plan. Right. So there is support for a plan, just not the plan. Right. <laughs> so that obviously may make it harder to get through Congress. Yeah, it may, it may slow things down and, and it may mean that uh, the package that does get passed is different and potentially materially different mm. to the, the president's plan. Now, that, that's that's not really a cause for concern. It's quite normal that Congress will have their own ideas on on uh, what certain tax and, and spending uh, proposals should be, and they can be very different to whatever the president uh, plans to do. 
So I guess when we talk about, as Vivek said, it's like a 2.2 US trillion dollar plan, which is large. It's about bigger than the size of Australia's economy over eight years. So when we think about what are the spillovers from this plan to the US economy, how do we kind of break it down? How do we know what's the impacts going to be on particular sectors, labour versus commodities, for example? Yeah, well, they're they're excellent points and we've gone into a lot of detail on this uh, in, in the current note. So... Infrastructure spending is basically construction. Mm. So that's the industry that is delivering the infrastructure. Uh, when we think about the impact on the economy, we've got to think about the impact on, on those uh, businesses. So businesses involved in power and communication, uh, construction, uh, transport structures like your bridges, your roads that, and the like, and thirdly, e- education uh, structures. Yep. So that, that's basically what it's going to look like. Now, who's delivering it? It's construction companies. Now, who are supplying construction companies? And it, the, the big one is manufacturers. Right. So it might be um, cement manufacturers, um, metal manufacturers mm. and, and, and the like. And, of course, professional services such as your engineers yep. and, and the like. And, of course, you need your finance people as of well course. to make it all happen. <laughs> So uh, there are uh, a lot of spillovers uh, far and wide that will benefit directly or indirectly from this big increase in infrastructure spending. And, of course, it's not just uh, American construction companies and manufacturers. Uh, There's also a global element to this. So we think somewhere in the order of 20% of the spending will spill over outside of America. Right. So this is going to be uh, in Asia and in, and in uh, places like Mexico and in Canada. They're going to indirectly or directly benefit from uh, an increase in exports to the US. You also break down about the labour cost component of this. So I guess I mean, my natural question is, will this tighten the labour market and how much of this infrastructure plan will create jobs or spill over into labour costs? So one of the things uh, that make the construction industry and to a lesser extent the manufacturing industry quite different is that it's very labour-intensive. So in other words, for every, say, million dollars of construction spending, you you would create more jobs Mm. than you would in other industries. So it's it's The multiplier. Exactly, the (laughs) multiplier effect. Thank you for remembering that, Belinda. (laughs) So, uh, look, it's got to definitely create... Create jobs. Uh, it will accelerate the recovery in the U.S. labour market. Mm. Mind you, there's a long way to go in America. So as of right now, uh, employment is about eight million less than what it was this time last year. Yeah. So th- this stimulus plan is needed, and uh, that's one reason why we don't think it will overheat the U.S. Yeah. economy, because they're just starting so far behind where they were a year ago. But it will create a lot of jobs. Uh, in construction, in manufacturing and professional services and the like. Uh, But look, we don't think that it's going to have a big impact on demand for commodities. Yes. Because most of the construction and manufacturer's costs are actually labour. Yes. Not materials. So I'll, I'll get back to Vivek in a minute on that, but just, I guess, to flesh out the implications for the US economy anymore, we did speak to Kim Mundy a couple of weeks ago on will the US economy overheat? It's been one of the most topical questions in markets yes. in 2021, as well as is there a commodity super cycle, which makes this note tie together so well. You still don't think it's going to overheat the US economy, but it will help it. Yeah, that's right. So it's definitely going to help. The US economy needs the help. Mm. Uh, we think the 
infrastructure component of this American jobs plan, uh, when it's up and running, uh, will be worth a bit more than a half percent of GDP. Uh, then you add on the non-infrastructure parts of the American jobs plan and you get about another half percent of US GDP. And so that's material. One percent mm. of US GDP is material. Uh, in normal times, we would say that's a, that's big, a big number. Yeah. Uh, but this is not normal times because the US economy is still starting so far back from where it was a year ago. There are eight million jobs behind, so it's, it's needed. Uh, it, it will accelerate the uh, recovery of the US economy. No doubt about that, but it's needed. All right, Vivek, back over to you. So we kind of hinted at the start and and throughout the podcast that we don't expect it to materially change demand for commodities, but probably it's worthwhile drilling into if it will impact any commodities at all. So it is still a big package. Do you think any commodities are likely to be impacted from... The, the package? When we look at uh, the commodities that are most likely to tighten, it probably sits even outside of this US infrastructure mm. spending. Yes. You know, we are seeing a trend towards decarbonisation and this US infrastructure plan and how much it contributes to that uh, is really where that tightening can accelerate, which, you know, the market was really looking at as happening anyway. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the markets here that we're talking about are your, your battery metals, mm. particularly. And, you know, copper, uh, where the use in, in EVs is higher and power systems is higher and transmission is higher. I'm going to say electric vehicles there in case people get stuck out by what EVs are. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I always do that. Um, so when, when we see that in the plan, this has the uh, effect of, of tightening the mm. market if, if global copper demand lifts faster than expected. Like we, we look at copper supply, we have about three years of demand in the pipeline. Mm. So if we see th- this this growth story on, on the demand side pick up, it can really cause this market to tighten. Yeah. And so this has been the fear of, you know, a, a, a green super cycle. Yes. You know, and, and this is where the story has come in. And copper has played a very key role in that. Nickel also factors in. You know, yeah. Nickel, what we're seeing in, in battery chemistries, we're seeing nickel intensity rise. So as more electric vehicles are adopted, you know the the and technology progresses that nickel demand can can certainly pick up too so we're seeing both factors really play into it which which really mean that that when we talk about um this this green infrastructure spending that's where we see most of the yeah. impact but it's important that you know this energy transition also can have almost second order effects mm. because if you're trying to decarbonize how aggressively does this infrastructure plan lead you to that outcome and so US LNG, you know, it's it's emerging yeah. as a very significant LNG exporter in the world. Most of the new supply over the next decade will be coming from the US and, and Qatar, but the US will play a very key role here. And exactly how much can they export? Well, if they're going to decarbonize their grid, if yeah. they're going to take away gas power generation, the incentives for exports rise. And so this is what we're contending with in this green world is you, you favour some of the green metals, but you then start affecting some of the carbon intensive yeah. And fields. We, I, I think we've seen in recent weeks as well a lot more focus on a 2030 goal rather than a 2050, 2060 goal. So that could actually accelerate some of this change going going through as well. Oh, I, I think that's where the, the, the risk is mm. that, you know, Biden came out very aggressively on 50 to 52 percent reduction in yeah. CO2 from 2005 to yeah. 2030. Now, 
that's 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 quite a big leap. And so, what does the U.S. really have to do to get there? That's where the concerns are that this could be quite a big tightening. But I'll have to say that we're yet to see the spending. Yes. Like, and and we we've said this before that yep. there's a lot of talk, but we need to see it in the spending, and we need to see it on some real green demand come through, and that become the end result. Right now, we haven't seen that. The pace of decarbonisation is actually looking to be slower than what people are talking about. Okay, okay. And I guess the final, I guess, thought I have, which you've also covered in your note, is Australia is a very, obviously, high commodity exporter. Are there any implications for Australia and Australia's main commodities, which are really iron, ore and coal, from the US infrastructure package? Sure. So, look, we, we've talked uh, a little about the LNG side. Mm. So, you know, it's probably net negative if we see that play out, right? But that's still, it's a second order effect. Yeah. So we think it'll be quite minimal for now. But when we talk about, say, iron ore and coking coal, uh, this is where the assumptions around how is US going to get their steel, right. right? So if US takes it mostly domestically, and given that this is a jobs plan and our assumption that's about 80% uh, sourced from the US, You've got to keep in mind the U.S. steel industry actually has more electric arc furnaces than blast furnaces. Yeah. The reason that's really important is that uses predominantly scrap steel. Mm. So their iron ore demand doesn't need to lift that much at all. And so that's why for Australia, the net benefit of all this is going to be quite small, like smaller than what we've talked to about green commodities. Yeah. It's going to be quite small. And so that's why... Um, for Australia, we, we haven't really thought that this would really move the dial. All right, Joe and Vivek, it's been great to get your insights on, I think, tying together a number of different thematics in markets at the moment, US economy, commodity super cycle, decarbonisation of the global economy and the greening uh, of infrastructure as well. So thank you both for your insights today. Thanks, Belinda. Thank you. Now, you can read Joe and Vivek's note on the implications of President Biden's infrastructure plan, which was published on the 23rd of April 2020 on combankresearch.com.au.